بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد اللهم لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا يا كريم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل الأقدة من لساني يفقه قولي My dear brothers and sisters in Islam, both here in the Melbourne Medina and those joining us from the comfort of their homes, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. May the peace and blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be upon you all. All praises belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always. And we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala especially because tomorrow night marks the first night of the last 10 nights of the month of Ramadan. So we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and praise Him for bringing us thus far in this blessed month. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us greater health and greater energy and greater diligence for the last 10 that remain. This is the time, brothers and sisters, where you bring it. Do you heard that statement? You have to bring it. You bring your A game. Right? It's the last 10 nights, the greatest nights of the entire year. And in one of these 10 nights is the greatest night in the entire year. And as Rasulullah taught us, it is during one of the last 10 nights of Ramadan. Right? It's during one of the last 10 nights of Ramadan. So this is where you bring it. This is where you stop trying. You know when you say, I've been trying to wake up with Fajr. I've been trying to do this, I've been trying to do that. This is where I tell you stop trying. This is where you just do it. You just do it. You stop trying and you just do it. This is, this is the time. If there was ever a time you had to just do it by hook or by crook. We don't want to say by crook because Islamically <laughs> we keep things halal. But we say if there, was ever, if, if there was ever a time when you needed to just do it, it's now brothers and sisters. So, Put your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and be ready to give it your all. If you can take time off work, take time off work. This is the time when a Muslim takes time off work. Not only for holidays, brothers and sisters. I'm amazed by the Muslim who takes time off work for holidays but forgets to take time off work for the month of Ramadan. Or forgets that they should free themselves for the last 10 nights during the nights of uh, during the, the month of uh, Ramadan. I'm amazed by this person. Sometimes I meet people and say, have you taken time off? They say, I've used up my days. Where did you use up your days? Did you not know every year you have 10 nights, the greatest nights in the course of the whole year? It's not as if it's, it comes unannounced. It's not as if it is announced during some years and not during other years. It's every year. And it's not as if you don't have an idea. Right? So this is the time. If you can take time off work, take time off work. This is the time to eat less. Alhamdulillah, there's a day of Eid, which some people call the day of Eid. MashaAllah. Right? Which will come and you can eat then. This is the time to eat less. So you sleep less at night I mean. Right? In the day obviously we're not eating. You don't want to fill your bellies during iftar. For if you do that, it's going to trouble you throughout the night. And, and you need your energies. Uh, during these nights. I wish I could talk to you about this more, but we have a lot to get through today. I'm just announcing to the referee, 
Today there will be extra time, inshallah. So please be ready for it. Please inform your linesmen. And inshallah, we will dedicate the khutbah tomorrow uh, during the Jumu'ah uh, proceedings dedicated to this topic of Laylatul Qadr. Brothers and sisters, yesterday, walillahi alhamd. Oh, firstly, I welcome you all to our ninth. Is it our ninth episode? Who's counting? Ninth? Ninth episode of the series A Blast from the Past, Seerah in the 21st Century. SubhanAllah, days are flying and my time is running out. I just realized I have, I think, eight more slots. SubhanAllah, eight more slots. And so little done and there's so much left to do. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us barakah in our time. Yesterday, we learned just one lesson, but it was a mighty lesson, especially in this day and age. Today, we're only going to take one lesson as well. I wanted to take more than one lesson. I need to take more than one lesson, but we can only take one lesson, given how many benefits there are from this one incident in the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But before I tell you that incident, yesterday very quickly, very quickly, we discussed Hilf al-Fudul and we took out many benefits. Who went home yesterday and did their homework and benchmarked themselves against some of the lessons that were said? Especially, especially the points pertaining to, towards being just in speech, in action. MashaAllah, tabarakallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from you. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from you. You watched via the live stream? Uh, live stream? Because I didn't see you yesterday. You see, I, 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 familiar faces we know, you know. Who's here and who's not here. MashaAllah, tabarakallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from you. This concept of um, benchmarking yourself against that which is ideal is part and parcel of the Sharia, where we take account of ourselves before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes account of us. Just one hadith, brothers and sisters, that I forgot to mention yesterday, which related directly to the last matters we discussed yesterday, the matters of supporting good, that which the Sharia considers sacred, even if non-Muslims do it. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Min nasi Allah. Listen to this, my dear brothers. Pay attention. Open both ears right now. Min nasi Allah. From the most beloved people to Allah. We want to be from the most beloved to Allah. Do you want to know who are the most beloved to Allah? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Anfa'uhum linnas. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. From the most beloved people to Allah are those who are of great benefit to the people. People, not just Muslims, to the people. Never forget this hadith, my dear brothers and sisters. This is what breeds within us a desire to ascertain the quality of selflessness, which was a quality manifested greatly by the Anbiya Selflessness, not selfishness. Selling fish was never good for you. Unless you were selling it for more than one pound. You remember the one pound fish? No, you guys are down under. <laughs> That's a story the, Brit the British can tell you, inshallah.
being selfish was never a trait taught to us by the Quran nor the Sunnah. Nor the giants that walk the face of this earth that you and I try and walk upon their shoulders. It was never taught to us by them, nor ever was it a trait from amongst their traits. They were selfless and we spoke about this yesterday. So this hadith I really wanted to share with you. We also learned the importance of Tawheed and looking after our Tawheed, right? And when we take an oath, we only swear by Allah. Although it was a footnote, it was a mighty footnote because it pertains to our aqidah and belief. And we spoke about the grave mistake of those who say touch wood and fingers crossed. Today, brothers and sisters, we want to discuss the marriage of the best person who walked the face of this earth to the best female. The best female. From the females has witnessed. And that is the marriage of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to Khadija radiallahu anha. And this incident is well known, alhamdulillah. So, and this incident, brothers and sisters, an event is an inspiration to the Muslim, especially the Muslim female, and the non-Muslim female, and a spouse, both husband and wife. It's inspirational. This epitomizes what a marriage should be. This epitomizes the institution of marriage and makes manifest how indeed marriage is a sign from the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A sign that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exists. An ayah min ayatillah. And you will see why as we traverse through today's session bidnillahi ta'ala. Our mother Khadija bint Khuwailid was a noble Elegant, determined, intelligent. I told you, inspiration. She was inspirational and is inspirational to the Muslim female and the non Muslim female. Let's say that again. And these are just a few adjectives describing her. She was determined, intelligent, noble, and elegant. She enjoyed a posh lineage, not just any lineage. A posh lineage, a lineage recognized as posh and excellent by the Quraysh. And Allah blessed her with material well-being and financial standing. She was rich and not just rich, she was said to be from amongst the richest alive at that time. Allahu Akbar, a female. A female. Subhanallah. She was an entrepreneur. She, was, she had a business. And what did she do? She preserved her modesty, radiallahu anha. She would hire males and she would give them some of her wealth and let them go and trade with her wealth. A share of the profits. A percentage of the profits. Right? She would give them a percentage of the profits. This is what she would do, radiallahu anha. News reached Khadija radiallahu anha. Obviously, this is all before prophecy. News reached her of this amazing person amidst the people of Mecca. His name was Muhammad, the son of Abdullah. His mother's name was Amina. News reached her of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And she heard nothing but greatness about this person, about his manners 
about his morals, about his etiquette, about his conduct, about his trustworthiness, about his intelligence in trade, about his belief in being financially independent. And we discussed this before when we discussed how he was a shepherd for a portion of a gold coin when he looked after the herd. Right? So he was a person who valued financial independence and he was a person who knew the value of a gold coin, not just a gold coin, but a portion of a gold coin. He knew what it was to earn, he knew what money meant. He knew the weight of money in the pocket of a person. He wasn't one who did not have the ability to offer diligence with regards to his own wealth or somebody else's wealth. She heard amazing things about him. and. This is not strange for, this is Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi He was amazing before prophethood and even more amazing after prophethood. So naturally, she wanted to hire him. Naturally, you look for the best. This is what you do. You look for the best. She wanted to hire him for her to do trade on her behalf. So she sent someone with an offer to him and offered him work, what you and I would uh, called today a job offer and maybe a JD in it, there's a job description and we would also uh, place the package, how many off days you get, what percentage you get, what's expected of you and so on and so forth. Someone went to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam with this package and he sallallahu alayhi wasallam was an intelligent person. He agreed, he agreed, right? He moved on. He was growing his skill sets sallallahu alayhi wasallam he was bettering his cv sallallahu alayhi wasallam he knew that it's important to be well rounded right many people the majority do not herd sheep they're not shepherds i've done that i've done that and i've acquired from it right and now i have an opportunity to acquire other skill sets, understand other industries and so on and so forth so naturally naturally rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam agreed Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam went out to do trade with the money of Khadija radiallahu anha and Khadija sent one of her slaves with him. His name was Maysara. His name was Maysara. Now don't forget, don't forget that she already heard great things about him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Nonetheless, she sent Maysara with him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Not because she didn't trust him, Allah knows best. But what I can deduce is perhaps she wanted to understand how true what she heard of, uh, how true were the facts that she heard about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa right? To authenticate, I've heard good things about him, let me send someone to accompany him, right? Because during travel, you come out, during trade, you come out. So perhaps Maysara can determine exactly how true these statements about this man is. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Maysara, obviously, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he was who he was. He wasn't putting on a show. Maysara saw amazing things. He saw how trustworthy he was, how intelligent he was, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, how he was able to look after her finances, right? And how he valued the money and kept account of it, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. There was no negligence and there was no lack of due diligence. And not only this, Maysara saw some of the amazing blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and you know, right? 
the trees used to stretch and the shade would stretch and cover Rasulullah and so on and so forth. So this slave boy, he understood. He understood that this is amazing. There's something unique about this person. And Nisara went and reported it to Khadija radiallahu anha from uh, the um, testimonies that Maysara received that Maysara received I don't know if the battery uh, got stronger all of a sudden so the microphone picked up uh, on volume uh, from the um, testimonies that Maysara received regarding in Syria when they stopped in the city in a city in Syria and the monk witnessed the tree stretching and the shade stretching and so on and so forth testimony was received by Maysara from this monk and he too went with this to Khadija radiallahu anha right in fact this monk said that no one stops under the shade of this tree but a prophet so that we get we get from this that the the, the the monk knew of a specific tree that was specific to Prophet. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspired his Prophet to stop there. And this was the testimony given. So in a nutshell, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam impressed. He impressed. And as he impressed, Khadija radiallahu anha became impressed. And she decided that she wanted to marry Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So she sent her friend. Nafisa bin Maniyya to tell the Prophet وسلم, about Khadija's desire to get married. And Rasulullah being an intelligent man agreed. And the marriage of Khadija anha was arranged by her father Khuwaylid according to the most sound report and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. The reason I'm highlighting this is because most of the reports say her uncle, her uncle uh, Amr ibn Asad, Amr ibn Asad, he was the one who conducted the uh, proceedings. But the most sound report and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best is that her father Khuwaylid, uh, she was Khadija bin Khuwaylid. Khuwaylid, he was the one who took care of the proceedings. And I'm highlighting right? There's lessons that are going to come from those brothers and sisters. So try and hang on to every point that I say. Now Khadija radiallahu anha was 40 years old at the time and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was 15 years younger. How old was he? 25. He was 25 years old. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Now a footnote for you all. Not only was Khadija radiallahu anha 40 years old, but she was married twice before. She was married first to a man called Atiq ibn Aiz al-Makhzumi. And she was also married to a man after that known as Abu Hala ibn al-Nabbash al-Tamim. She was married twice before. The marriages didn't last. And Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, in his Al-Bidayah, cites that Khadija radiallahu anha had children. And I'm citing this again because there's a lesson that you and I are going to take from this. Khadija radiallahu anha, brothers and sisters, we heard how amazing she was before Islam and before marriage to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
She was also amazing, if not even more, after marriage to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Such that in our sharia, we have, or our sharia has cited many merits of Khadija radiallahu anha. From her merits is that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that the best of the females is Maryam bint Imran, the mother of Isa alayhi salam, Jesus peace and blessings be upon him. And he said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that the best of females is Khadija, radiallahu anha. Many a time we ask, what should we name our daughters? Maryam and Khadija. And don't give me that argument. It's old-fashioned. Don't give me that. This is upon the tongue of Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They are the best women to have walked this earth right this is where you and i give our daughters may allah bless us with daughters great role models to look up to and great lives to anticipate to emulate so this is from the merit of khadija she was from the best of all females and indeed she was the best for in the seerah we find that the prophet used to talk so much about khadija even after, meaning especially after her demise, after she passed away, radiallahu anha. So much so that his young wife, Aisha radiallahu anha, would become jealous. And this is nature. This is nature. That's why I tell the brothers, you know, when, when you have these discussions about taking on a second wife and so on and so forth, and your wives become upset, don't be hard on them. It's also natural for them to feel what they feel. They possess her of their husbands. Right? You should acknowledge that our wives are possessive. So be sensitive. Be sensitive. Right? And that's why it's not good to every time your wife does something, you tell her, you know, I got my second slot free still. This is not good. This emotional blackmail is not good. Right? This is emotional blackmail. And it's not good. You shouldn't do that. Because and sometimes you know husbands say, What are we joking? You joking, you're a man. A man is not like a female. You joking, how do you know how she's received it? You don't know how she's received it, right? So you shouldn't do joke like that because it's natural that she's going to become affected negative in a negative way because she's possessive of her husband. And as I said, be sensitive. The females say that, right? Our husband's going to be sensitive, the S word, right? You need to be sensitive, my dear brothers and sisters. So Aisha radiallahu anha would become upset and she would say, but she, meaning Khadija, was an old woman with red eyes. Allahu Akbar. Aisha radiallahu anha. You see when, when you get jealous what happens? This is the, our mother Aisha radiallahu anha. He's, she is telling Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, she was an old woman with red eyes. It was enough if she said she was an old woman. With red eyes, subhanallah. And then she goes on to say, and Allah compensated you. Allahu Akbar. Look at these words. Allah compensated you with a better and younger wife, meaning herself. Aisha radiallahu anha. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam became annoyed. This caused him to become upset. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he would say, no, indeed, he has not compensated me with anyone better than her. Allahu Akbar. This is, this is when you be just, right? He's not saying it to put Aisha radiallahu anha down. He's saying it as a fact and haqq and truth. 
like Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to say, I am the I am the head and the best of all of mankind. Wala fakhr. I'm not, I'm not saying it in an arrogant way, I'm saying it as a fact, it's a God-given fact, Allah has made me the best, there's a difference, there's a difference when somebody says it out of arrogance and somebody is stating a fact, Rasulullah was not putting Aisha anha down, rather he was stating a fact that no, she is the best, he said وسلم, she believed in me when all others disbelieved, she held me truthful when others called me a liar. She shouted me when others abandoned me. She comforted me when others shunned me. And Allah granted me children by her while depriving me of children by other women. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Lessons, my dear sisters in the audience. See, the brothers are smiling. The brothers are saying, oh, mashallah, this is the best lesson today. What I've been trying to tell my wife, Alhamdulillah, the Shaykh is doing it for us. Oh, we'll come to you, brothers, just now, inshallah. <laughs> huh? We'll come to you, inshallah. Right? So, look what he said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Take note. Take note, my dear sisters. Right? Take note of this. This is what she did, radiallahu anha. And thus, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam held in high regard. Wallahi, there's so many lessons flying through my head right now that I haven't listed. May Allah make it easy. She was one of the greatest supporters of Rasulullah A supporter of his every endeavor and every matter. And I want you to pay attention to this point because I have a lesson from this. She was a supporter in every endeavor and every matter. Even when Rasulullah decided to do good to his uncle Abu Talib and take one son from Abu Talib and bring him up. Talib was poor. And he had a large family. And he was good to Rasulullah. Now Rasulullah is on his feet. And he wanted to help his uncle, who was very old. So he took one of his children. What was that child's name? Ali radiyallahu anhu. Allah gather us with him in Jannah. And all the Sahaba. Ameen. He wanted to take Ali. And she supported his taking of Ali. She wasn't against it. She accepted it. And Ali had a home in the home of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Khadija radiyallahu anha. Wallahi wa billahi wa tallahi. We need a few hours, my dear brothers and sisters, to discuss Khadija bint Khuwaylid radiallahu anha. And perhaps, it's beyond the scope of this class, but perhaps one thing that we can say before we move on is the narration in Sahih Muslim, where Rasulullah, where we are taught with a narration, where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam teaches us a great merit of Khadija radiallahu anha when we are taught that Allah Almighty ordered Jibreel alayhi salam, the greatest angel, to pass greetings to Khadija bint Khuwaylid. La ilaha illallah. Imagine that. Imagine that Jibreel coming to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and saying, Allah has passed salams to your wife and pass her salams from me as well. Allahu Akbar. Ya Allah. Ya Allah, who are these people? Wallahi, who are these people? 
This is enough for us. This is enough for us to understand the merit of Khadija radiallahu anha. In this hadith, in this hadith, Jibreel tells Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Oh Muhammad, Khadija is bringing you a bowl of food. Allahu Akbar. Khadija is bringing you a bowl of food. This is a rough translation. When she comes to you, tell her that her Lord greets her and convey my greetings too to her. Convey my greetings too to her. Subhanallah. And inform her as well that Allah Almighty has prepared for her a calm house made out of pearls in paradise. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Look at this. Wallahi. Given glad tidings in the dunya. Given glad tidings in the dunya. Wallahi, she earned this house. This is the mercy of Allah. But from a, from a human perspective, we say she earned it and you'll see why. I mean, look, look what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said about her. She was there for him always. She made his She made her husband's house a home, so she was deserving of a house in paradise. Radiallahu anha. When we say deserving, obviously, I want to make it clear. We're saying it in terms of me to you and, 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 and you listening to me. Otherwise, nobody deserves anything as we discussed earlier. Everyone gets it because of Allah's mercy upon them. May Allah shower His mercy upon us. Ameen. Ameen. You should ask Allah for mercy, brothers and sisters. Abu Bakr once asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Did I tell you this? He asked him for a dua. Teach me a dua which I can read in salah. Teach me, O Prophet of Allah. A dua for me to read in salah. I think I told you this in one of the earlier episodes, but for those who were not here, you'll hear it now. And for those who are here, this is a reminder. What did he say? Allahumma inni dhalamtu nafsi dhulman kathira. Wa la yaghfiru dhulub illa ant. Faghfir li maghfiratan min indik. Warhamni. Innaka anta al-ghafur al-rahim. And have mercy upon me. And have mercy upon me. This is the point to note. Warhamni. And have mercy upon me. Indeed, you are the most forgiving, the most merciful. He was taught to ask Allah to shower mercy upon him. Indefinite mercy. Indefinite. Right? And all of mercy. He asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to shower all of mercy upon him. May Allah shower all of mercy upon us. Ameen. Ya Rabbil Alameen. There are many lessons, my dear brothers and sisters, as always, that we can take from this incident and event. In the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Firstly, the importance of financial independence. And we discussed this. Secondly, the importance of being trustworthy, my dear brothers and sisters. Being trustworthy. When you sign a contract, you honor that contract. When you are given a place in the workplace, you honor your position there. And the permission given to you to enter there. You don't only work well when there's a camera above your head. And you don't only be a person of punctuality when there's a sign-in time and sign-out time or sign-in machine and sign-out machine present. You're a person who's on time every time. And if you leave, you leave after time. And when you're at the workplace, you look after the rules and regulations of this workplace. If you're not allowed to check email, you do not check email. If you're not allowed to browse the internet, you do not browse the internet. We learned this from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You don't need to be monitored physically for you to be diligent. The fact that you're a Muslim should be the greatest, greatest conscience 
that makes you be a diligent person in the workplace. The fact that you know that Allah is Al-Basir and that Allah is Al-Raqib and that Allah is Al-Shaheed. Allah is the All-Seeing. Allah is the All-Seeing. Forgive me, I didn't mean to do those hand actions. We don't know how Allah sees. But we acknowledge that Allah sees. Allah is the All-Seeing. Al-Basir. Allah is Al-Raqib. He's an observer over you. An observer. And Allah is Al-Shaheed. Allah is the universal witness over you. The fact that you know your Rabb, your Lord, these are from His names and attributes. This should be enough for us, my dear brothers and sisters. This should be enough for us. It doesn't matter if my supervisor is not watching. It doesn't matter if my line manager is not aware. It doesn't matter if my boss is unaware. It doesn't matter if there's no cameras around me. What matters is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a universal witness over everything that I do. This is what we learned from this story. And we haven't even gotten to the marriage yet. Right? Discussing the business sense of things. We also learn, my dear brothers and sisters, how to be the best at what we do. Don't just be mediocre. Be the best. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam stood out from all the males that Khadija radiallahu anha hired. He was the best. He's teaching us that if you do something, do it properly. If you do something, do it properly. And this was the command of Allah to this ummah. Inna Allah katab al-ihsan. Allah has commanded towards excellence in everything that you do. Everything that you do. He has commanded excellence. Ihsan and excellence. This is an ummah of excellence. This is not an ummah of average people. By Allah it isn't. It is not an ummah of being average. Second best, this is not the ummah of second best brothers and sisters. This is not the ummah of second best. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He revealed to this ummah, He didn't reveal any book but the best book, the Quran. And he, just any angel, He revealed it via the best angel, Jibreel alayhi salam. And not just in any language, but the best language, the Arabic language. And not just to any prophet, but the best of all prophets, Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And when Allah chose to reveal, He did not reveal it just in any month. Rather, He revealed it in the best of all months, the month of Ramadan. Sayyid al-Shuhur, Shahar Ramadan. The best of all months is the month of Ramadan. Shahru Ramadan al-Ladhi unzila fihi al-Quran. In Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah says in the second juz, the month of Ramadan is the month in which the Quran was revealed. So Allah, when He chose to reveal the best book via the best angel to the best prophet in the best language, He chose the best of all months to do it in. And when He when He chose the night to do it in, He did not just choose any night. He chose the best of all nights, the night of power, Laylatul Qadr. Inna anzalnahu fi Laylatul Qadr. Indeed, we revealed this Quran during the night of power, on the night of power, the best of all nights, in the best of all months, and when he chose the place of revelation, he chose the best of all places, Makkah al-Mukarrama, Allahu Akbar, the best, 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 and in this best revelation, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Kuntum khayra that you, this ummah, is the best of all nations. The best of all nations.
What will make you understand, my dear brothers and sisters? You want me to give an hour lecture on excellence and being the best? Wallahi, I can. The Sharia is not short of any evidences and sources regarding being the best. Being the best. The fact that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam was naturally the best, inspired by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we have been commanded to follow in his footsteps is a sign. We must be the best brothers and sisters. We must be the best. Don't be this cold person, just everything laid back, you know. Somebody has to move you all the time. Don't be that person. Be a person who's, who's moving. I'm not saying be a person who acts in haste, no. You know, you get some people laid back, everything's okay, whatever happens. I get to work on this time, it's okay. You know, take a chill pill. Huh? Relax. This is not, this is not, this ummah is, this ummah values every second, my dear brothers and sisters. It values every second. Every second counts. Wallahi, every second that ticks on that clock means you and I are closer to our grave. Wallahi understands this. Every second that ticks means one second has passed. We have now, we do not have that second with us to make our gender beautiful. We do not have that second with us to make our scales of good deeds heavy on the day of Qiyamah. It's gone. It's gone. You and I always discuss this concept of squeezing the dollar. Get the most you can get out of the dollar spent. Value for money. What about value for seconds? What about value for breath? The breath that you breathe. What about this, my dear brothers and sisters? Wallahi, I wish we had time to discuss this. I wish. You know, I was talking to one of the brothers yesterday about having a vision. He came to me, he said, you know, I want to go to study Islam. I said, why? You know, this, this is important. Make sure you're not wasting time. What you're doing has some purpose, some meaning. May Allah bring us together to discuss visions. Amin, amin, amin. So we learn this, brothers and sisters. There's no room for being mediocre. We also learn from this, my dear, beloved brothers and sisters and my dear mothers and fathers the importance of speaking the good about people mentioning the good that people have Sarah the slave boy he witnessed goodness in Rasulullah and he passed it on he didn't keep it hidden he passed it on obviously Khadija radiallahu anha Anticipated getting information, but you understand my point. Today, we quit to mention the mistakes. And the good matters, we keep them hidden. We should be the opposite. The good matters, we should speak. The bad matters, keep hidden. Keep hidden. Unless absolutely necessary. Unless you have to, and have to, and have to mention it. Is that clear? This is what we learn. We also learn, my dear brothers and sisters, the importance of, I use this term due diligence a lot, it's a very common business term. You know, we run due diligence before we sign contracts, make sure the companies are up to date, their books are in order, it's not that they're showing us something, we need to get it audited, make sure that no one's cooked the books as they say. Right? The importance of running due diligence when you want to get married. Where do we learn this from? This is a big message for the fathers in the audience. We learn this from Khadija radiallahu anha. She heard great things about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But did she use that to marry him? No, she used that to hire him. I heard it. I'll hire him because of that. 
But marriage, extra case needed. I need to run more tests. I need to appoint to him my slave boy to travel with him. Because people who put on a show, they can't put that show on 24 hours a day. If you travel with someone, you're going to find out who this person really is. Somewhere along the line. If you trade with him, trade normally, you know, human desire, greed, right? Trade normally brings out person. She sent him with him, sallallahu alayhi wa Go and travel with him and monitor his trade. This is where we will see if he's putting on a show or if he talks the talk and walks the walk. Right? Due diligence. When that information came in, she proposed, radiallahu anha. This is a lesson for the fathers in the audience. Wallahi, our daughters are more precious to us than our bank balances and we keep our bank balances hidden. Our daughters should be protected as well. Should be protected. We would not sign our wealth in any partnership except after dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Don't marry off your daughters except after crossing the T's and dotting the I's as well. And we go further, making sure the full stops are there, and the commas are there, all the punctuation marks. It's your daughter. It's your daughter. Allah has made you a guardian over her. And when you marry her off, that guardianship transfers to the husband. Make sure you transfer your amana to a worthy person. Make sure. We learn this from this particular incident. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding. Ameen. And remember the statement of Umar ibn Khattab. I shared it, shared it with you during the Dhuhr reminder. When Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu sought an endorsement and somebody said, I endorse him. Umar said, how, how can you endorse him? Have you traveled with him? Have you traded with him? Subhanallah. You see how wise they were? They were wise people. They didn't have computers and 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 advanced medicine and astronauts and space shuttles in space but look they had common sense today there's so much so much intelligence but common sense has gone out the window Allah al-musta'an look at Umar what he's saying how can I take your testimony when you just judging this person based on face value from the moment you saw him in the masjid or saw him reading Quran or you know you were on your way to a place and he was with you this is not enough this is not enough. You need to have done something substantial with the person that brings out their character. If you've done it, then endorse. This is a lesson for us brothers and sisters, those who give testimony as well. Sometimes people come to you and say, this boy, this family, yeah, mashallah, very good family, bismillah. Firstly, if you're seeking endorsement for your daughter, Go ask somebody who's traded with this person or traveled with this person as a minimum. Or whatever our time cites as something relevant as well. Something relevant as well. That's the first thing. The second thing is when you are approached by somebody and your testimony is being sought, if you really don't know, say you don't know. Or say on face value, this is what I know. As for the nitty gritties, I don't know. Ad-deen nasiha religion is sincere advice, sincere advice. Note this word sincere, sincere advice. Not just any advice, sincere advice. 
Your iman dictates that you be sincere, my dear brothers and sisters. We also learn from these brothers and sisters that certain cultures that sort of cite delaying in answering the proposal as a defect, as bad manners, then our sharia abrogates that particular cultural practice and belief. Our sharia has taught us the importance of due diligence. If it needs time, it needs time. Certain cultures, if you take time, what happens? People feel disrespected. Why are you taking time to give an answer? Right? Certain cultures, there is this uh, emotion present, this belief present. We say that particular belief is abrogated by the sharia. Because it does not of the sharia. The sharia has commanded towards due diligence. Now again, I'm not saying we should delay giving the answer when you have the answer. I'm not saying that. But whilst you're running due diligence, you still need to check, if you still need to ask. If somebody's traveled, you're waiting for this person to return, so you can ask them. And you need that time, you need that time. Don't be pressured by culture to give an answer. And the reason why I'm citing this is because I have witnessed it firsthand. Where answers have been given just out of the fact that, you know what, if we don't, the family will look bad. And the community will treat us badly. And so on and so forth. Peer pressure. Right? Peer pressure. No. No, no. The way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his Rasul has a greater right of being followed and respected and revered and feared than your culture. And then, and, 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 and uh, than what people will think of. Is that clear, brothers and sisters? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. I came across a wise statement. I wanted to share it with you because it's it's related. A wise statement. Detailing carpentry. <laughs> to be a carpenter, one of the laws of carpentry is measure twice but cut once. <laughs> measure twice but cut once. Because if you cut and make a mistake, it's going to cost you. Same thing with our daughters, brothers and sisters. Measure three times, not twice. Measure three times and cut once. Make sure you have not put her in a home that will make her come back to your home tomorrow. Make sure. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect our daughters. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless the marriage of our daughters that have, 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 have entered into Marriage. Ameen. Ameen. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect all the marriages of the Muslims. Ameen. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alam. Before we leave this point, my dear brothers and sisters, a footnote which is related. And that is, as a guardian, and since we're talking about the role of the guardian, as a guardian, you must look for a practicing Muslim who is compatible. And when you look for a practicing Muslim, look for good character. Look for someone who will fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your daughter. Listen to this. Look for someone who will fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your daughter. Remember this, brothers and sisters. Because good character is a true sign of deen. Insha'Allah. Insha'Allah. A person who fears Allah this is who you want your daughter to, to marry. This is who you want your daughter to marry. This person will not beat her. This person will not abuse her. 
This person will not punish her physically or emotionally. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect. Wallahi, the amount of cases that are coming about of females being abused in marriage is not a joke, brothers and sisters. In fact, even one complaint is not a joke. It requires the community to stand up. We need talks about this. This mimbar needs to be used. The Jumu'ah pulpit has to be used. Whereby we make clear to the community problems that are becoming rampant and rife. And inshallah it's, it's not. But as I said, as a Muslim one case is a lot. One case is enough to nip it by the bud and take the bull by the horns and educate the community about the severe punishment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon an oppressor. And we discussed the other day the dua of an oppressed person and the dua of an oppressed person does not go answered. My dear brothers, do not, do not, do not marry people who will make dua against you. What I mean is do not be abusive to your spouse. Never ever be abusive to your spouse. And don't think for one minute that it's a sign of a man to be abusive. Wallahi, it's the sign of the weakest person. You are the weakest of the weak if you intimidate your wife by raising your voice and by manhandling her. You are the weakest person. I told you the other day when we touched on a point related to this. The strong man is not the wrestler. No, the strong man is the man who can suppress his anger when he becomes angry. And wallahi, suppressing anger is from the acts beloved to Allah. It's from the signs of the people of taqwa. You don't believe me? What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say in, in the fourth juz? In the fourth juz. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَسَارِعُوا إِلَى مَغْفِرَةٍ مِّن رَبِّكُمْ وَجَنَّةٍ عَرْضُهَا السَّمَاوَاتُ وَالْأَرْضُ وَجَنَّةٍ عَرْضُهَا السَّمَاوَاتُ وَالْأَرْضُ أُعِدَّتْ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says and march forth towards the forgiveness of your Lord and a paradise, a paradise that has a width which is greater than the heavens and the earth, a paradise created for the people of taqwa. Who are the people of taqwa, ya Allah? Allah tells us. Allah says, الَّذِينَ يُنْفِقُونَ فِي السَّرَّاءِ وَالْوَرَّاءِ وَالْكَاظِمِينَ الْغَيْرِ وَالْكَاظِمِينَ الْغَيْضَ وَالْعَافِينَ عَنِ النَّاسِ وَاللَّهُ يُحِبُّ الْمُحْسِنِينَ Subhanahu wa ta'ala says, The people of taqwa are those who spend from their wealth at times of ease and at times of difficulty. They're always spending for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَالْكَاظِمِينَ الْغَيْضِ And they are those who suppress anger when they become angry وَالْعَافِينَ عَنِ النَّاسِ And they forgive the people. It's a habit of theirs to forgive the people. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam The greatest example for you and I in terms of having a habit to forgive the people وَالْعَافِينَ عَنِ النَّاسِ وَاللَّهُ يُحِبُّ الْمُحْسِنِينَ And brothers and sisters, Allah will love you for suppressing your anger. Because Allah says those who suppress are those who do good and Allah loves the doers of good.
Once a person came to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and said, "Oh Sunni, advise me." He said, "La taghdab." He said, "Advise me." He said, "La taghdab." He said, "Advise me." He said, "La taghdab." This person said, "Advise me." Three times the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Don't become angry." May Allah bless our characters. We build our jannah when we're with our spouses. Make sure it's a jannah building exercise. Not a Jahannam building exercise, brothers and sisters. May Allah forgive us all. Ameen. Ameen. So, brothers and sisters, look for a person with good character. This is what Khadija radiallahu anha did. Find someone who will fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your daughter. And even though it's sad, and even though we're running out of time, I must add this addition. And that is, it's not enough if the boy is a hafiz of the Quran or graduate from some Islamic university. I hate to say it, but sadly it's true. Institutions nowadays teach what they're supposed to teach. They rarely give you tarbiyah. And teach you proper Islamic morals and manners and etiquettes. So it doesn't mean that a person has memorized the Quran that by default they're going to be from the best people that exist in our times. So don't be against shal. Yes, it's praiseworthy if he's hafid and he's a graduate from an Islamic institute, but Plus, plus sign, good character. Plus sign, good character. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. A related point, my dear brothers and sisters as well. And that is, or a question, are we allowed to go forward with our daughters if we see a, a, a good boy? We see a good boy and we have a daughter. Are we allowed to go forward and propose? What do you think? No? Yes. yes, and this we learn from Khadija radiallahu anha. This is what she did. And there's nothing in Islam that abrogated this or taught us that this was a wrong practice. Right? There's nothing in Islam that taught us this was a wrong practice. We need to do that today, especially since fathers. We're supposed to keep our daughters protected. Keep them modest. Today, subhanAllah, I'm amazed by some of the parents need to be out so the boys can see them. Otherwise, how will they get married? Where are you adopting me? Where is common sense? Wallahi? What has happened? Common sense is not so common. Or maybe it's become Zimbabwe sense. You know, the Zimbabwe currency doesn't exist anymore. Worthless sense. Allahul Musta'ad. I'm amazed by these statements. Wallahi. It's your job to get your daughter married. You keep a lookout, alhamdulillah. You go to the masjid. You frequent the right places. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase our understanding. This, you know, we spoke about Khadija. Even if you look at the story of Musa with the man from Madian, the, the sheikh, the old wise man from Madian, did he not offer his daughter to Musa alayhi salam? He did. Surah Al-Qasas. Surah Al-Qasas. Imam. He offered his, he, in Surah Al-Qasas, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us that Musa alayhi salam, he helped those, the two females and they went to tell their father about this person. He came forward and he said, He's saying to Musa, I want to uh, get married to you, one of my two daughters. I'm offering you one of my two daughters in marriage. So this was the way of wise people as well. And the prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted it as a way. 
right? So don't feel, and again, this is the thing, culture. If we put our daughter, it's like we made our daughter cheat. Allahu Akbar, You've honored your daughter. You are proactively looking for her solace for the rest of her life. This is not putting her down and making her cheat. This is you doing a duty which Allah has put upon you. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. Also, from the Sahaba, Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, did he not offer his daughter to Uthman ibn Affan and then to Abu Bakr radiallahu anhuma? And then Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam married her. Did he not go forward? We know the famous story. He was getting upset. Why is it not being accepted? Abu Bakr also not being accepted. Because Allah had a greater plan for him. That the best man married his daughter. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant our sisters the best of husbands. Ameen. And grant our brothers the best of wives. Ameen. We also learn from these brothers and sisters that marriage or the marriage of Rasulullah sallallahu in a modest, proper manner. In a modest, proper manner. No one can say it was an, an improper marriage. We've seen her father, or in some other generations, her uncle, took care of the affair. And Khadija radiallahu anha sent someone to tell Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam of her desire to get married. Not so? It was done properly. It was none of this girlfriend, boyfriend business and the like. Right? And no one, subhanAllah, can, can, can poke a finger at Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the many enemies and the many things they lie about him and, 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 and blame his modesty or the modesty of Khadija radiallahu anha before they got married. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So look, jahiliyyah, jahiliyyah, but look how proper this was done. Remember yesterday we said Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that he was sent to complete the most noble of characters. Which means these people had some very good qualities. They had some very good qualities, right? And this is from one of their qualities. We also learn, brothers and sisters, that the marriage of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was a substantial marriage, not a shallow marriage. Not one of these quote-unquote love marriages. You know the love marriages. And then someone comes to me and says, Sheikh, you know, I, I, I fell in love with her. I say, Subhanallah, do you need to go to the hospital? He gets confused. So what happened? I said, you just told me you fell. Falling was never good. <laughs> Whenever was falling good for you. <laughs> right? You fell in love, you fell. When you fall, you get hurt. <laughs> right? And same to our sisters. Islam didn't tell us to fall in love. Islam told us to grow in love. Allahu Akbar. That's how marriages last. You grow in love with each other. You don't fall in love with each other. When things fall, they deplete. You know, when we're in school, our, one of my teachers said, you see, marriages, uh, there's a study which says marriages last seven years. Or with seven years, there's love. After seven years, the love starts falling. Islam tells us to grow in love. Look at the marriage of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. With Aisha, with Khadija, radiallahu anha. Substantial, not shallow. Not shallow. Nothing of, you know, we have to go out together and see, you know, how she is and she wants to see how he is. And, you know, you get married, imagine how boring your marriage becomes. Such a boring marriage. You married her and you knew what her favorite color was. She knew what your favorite color was. The restaurant, what she likes to eat, what she's at. You, you, you're already bored here. You got married and there was nothing for you to learn. 
What's where's the fun in that? And plus on top of it, you're doing haram. Surely, surely, O oh servants of Allah and O oh children of Adam. Marriage is always the best one. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is perfect proof. Perfect proof. Wallahi, we just had. When she passed away, radiallahu anha, what was Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying about her? Even his other wives were becoming jealous. Growing in love. Even after one passes away, another man. The, the, the party that stayed behind every with every waking day has his love for her grown. You know what we learned from the seerah, from the sunnah? That Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, if there was an animal that was slaughtered, he would send meat as a gift to the friends of Khadija radiallahu anha. Because of his love, growing love for her. Not falling love, growing love for her radiallahu anha. This is what he used to do. This is what he used to do. I think I, I don't have to share further evidences. It's, it's clear. It's clear. Nobody's looking at the time today because this topic is very interesting. MashaAllah. MashaAllah. So, brothers and sisters, when you plant, when you plant halal seeds, you have halal fruits. If your marriage from the outset is halal, everything about the marriage will be halal and be good. If you plant haram seeds, tomorrow expect problems. May Allah forgive us. Except marriages that Allah then showers His mercy upon because they ask forgiveness from Allah. I'm not saying it's doom and gloom. If you made a mistake before, Allah is Ghafoorul Rahim. Turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and seek forgiveness. Right? But this is what you should teach your children. Halal roots gives birth to halal fruits. Halal fruits. And mashallah the rain is falling as well. This is a topic of barakah. Alhamdulillah. So the marriage of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had great support. And this is also manifest after prophethood when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saw one of the most scariest things a person can see. A mighty angel, Jibreel alayhi salam. He was mighty. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saw him. He's below on the ground. And he's above in the heavens, hundreds of wings. If he opened one, there'll be traffic jams all the way to the west. And if he opened the other, traffic jams all the way to the east. Mighty angel. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sees him and is humanly scared. And he runs home. Home, not to his house. Home to his wife Khadija radiallahu anha. And she says to him, don't worry. Kalla, wallahi la Allah will never, ever, ever, ever disgrace you. I've seen you. You're a good man. You're honest. You help the poor. You maintain relations. Don't worry. What you saw will get the answer to it. But now calm down. Look at the soothing voice. Look at these soothing words. Wallahi, brothers and sisters, if you have wives that can do this for you, wallahi. Buy them another gold set they deserve. It. I told you, told your sisters, I'm coming back to support you. <laughs> they deserve it. Because many sisters, it's sad to say again today, they don't have this character and quality with their husband. Very selfish relationship. Your husband comes home from work distressed. Make the home an abode. That's how you make the home an abode. By being a spouse. By being a spouse. Look what she said to him. 
And then it wasn't only that. She said, don't worry, we'll find out. We'll go to Waraka. I have someone, a relative. We'll find out the reality here. But look, she's, look how she took over. Right? A person is, quote-unquote, decapacitated. What happened? She took over. Strength to one another. Pillars to one another. Support to one another. She's calming him down. Don't worry. He's shivering. He's wrapped in blankets and cloth. Don't worry. Allah will never disgrace you. This can only be good because you are only a good person and we will find the explanation. Khadija radiallahu anha. Brothers and sisters, marriage, marriage, wallahi, we have to finish this today. And I know all the listeners are listening. They don't mind this, this going up to a quarter past ten. But we will finish, we will finish shortly inshallah. We will finish shortly inshallah. Brothers and sisters, you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described, He described Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the reality of marriage in his book. Allah says, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ أَنْ خَلَقَ لَكُمْ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ أَزْوَاجًا Why? لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا وَجَعَلَ بَيْنَكُمْ مَوَدَّةً وَرَحْمَةً إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَاتٍ لِقَوْمٍ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ Allah says, and from the signs that Allah exists, and from the signs that lead you to Allah, look, look what Allah says. This is no small matter. Allah is roping in our attention. That if you want to know about Allah and that Allah is the truth, then the sign, one of the signs that show you this is the fact that He created you from yourselves mates. That you may find tranquility with them. In, in them. You will extract peace from them. Subhanallah. A person who will make your bricks and steal a home and an abode. That's what makes a home, wallahi. It's not the, the fancy design and architecture. It's the reality and nature of the female in it. Allah says, That you may take peace from her. And Allah has placed between you, you both mutual love. Substantial love, not just hub. Hub is also love in the Arabic language, but it's it's not as deep as mawadda. Mawadda is an in-depth love. Mawadda tawarahma and mercy. Allah says in-depth love and mercy. Allahu Akbar. Somebody said, you see, in-depth love for when they in the honeymoon period. When they always maintain each other and overlook each other's mistakes because there's love between them. And mercy, when they get older and the love finishes. Then they be merciful to one another. Even though they have mistakes, they overlook it. <laughs> this word mercy. This is what Allah has done. Right? You know, I remember when I was in my early years of studying Islam, one of my teachers said, You know, you must not have a marriage, the marriage of. Grocery packets. I said, marriage of grocery packets? What's the marriage of grocery packets? He said, you don't know the marriage of grocery packets? I said, no. What is the marriage of grocery packets? I've never heard this. Is this a, a Middle Eastern thing or what? Because the marriage of grocery packets is all over the world. I said, Allahu Akbar. What is the sheikh? He said, it's the marriage where the spouses have two grocery packets. One grocery packet in their right hand and one in the left hand. When the spouse does good to them, they put it in the good packet. And when the spouse does bad to them, they put it in the bad packet. But there's a big problem. I said, what's the problem, Sheikh? He said, the good packet, there's a hole at the bottom. 
So whenever the good is being deposited, it's falling out. So the day a problem arises, the spouse looks at the good, sees nothing. Looks at the bad, sees it full. And says, you are nothing but a problem. No. We shouldn't have the marriage of grocery packets, brothers and sisters. We also learn from this seerah, or this incident in the seerah, the value of the R of responsibility versus the R of rights. There's an R, which is the R of responsibility. And there's an R, which is the R of rights. Many marriages today are based on rights. It's, it's as if there's a bank balance open between husband and wife. Husband deposits, wife deposits. Husband withdraws, wife withdraws. And then they close the books at the end of the day. If, if, if one day the wife did more than the husband, husband's a problem. One day husband did more than the wife, wife's a problem. The marriage of the bank account. Deposit and withdrawal. This is not marriage, brothers and sisters. This is not marriage. Marriage entails emotion. Right? Mutual consent. There has to be cohesion. We can't have marriages based on the R of rights. Yes, the Sharia has said rights. The rights of the husband. The rights of the wife. Yes. But when do we look at rights? When there's no way forward for this marriage. Then we say, okay, let's look at the rights and see who's right and who's wrong. But there's another sphere and another circle known as the R of responsibility. And this sphere is far greater than the R of rights. This is where you understand that I am a wife to my husband and my husband is a husband to me. Or the husband says, I'm a husband to my wife and she's a wife to me. It's not tit for tat. It's not tit for tat. And we learn about having marriages of based on responsibility from this story, brothers and sisters. Let's look at it. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It was his right to provide the house for Khadija, but he was living in her house. Did she one day say that, you know what, you're supposed to be providing and you're not providing? So I'm going to do A, B, C, D, and you can't complain because you're living in my house? No. Let's move further. Ali radiallahu anhu. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wants to look after him. Whose house do you think he's coming to? Khadija's house. Did she say, you're not providing me for a house? It's my right to give me a house. And now you want to bring uh, your nephew here? Uh, your, your cousin? You want to bring your cousin here? Ali was the cousin, correct? Ali radiallahu anhu was his cousin. You want to bring your cousin here now? Now we must look after him as well? What about me? What about my privacy? What have you done for me? No. She happily welcomed him. And the books of, uh, of history say she looked after Ali as if Ali was her son. Is that the art of rights or the art of responsibility? Responsibility, I'm a wife to my husband first. Now let's rewind. I told you at the beginning, Khadija radiallahu anha was married how many times before? Twice. She had a child. Ibn Kathir in, in Al-Bidaya wa Nihaya and other scholars, I recall reading this in Al-Isti'ab, a book by Ibn Abdul Bar, uh, and I recall reading this also in uh, Al-Tabaqat of, of, of Ibn Sa'ad. They say that Khadija radiallahu anha, when she married Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, she had a child called Hind. Did Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say, it's not my child, 
My responsibility is to you. My the rights is between me and you. Not this boy here. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. He was like a father to him. This is what the books of history say. Him preferred him as a father over anybody else. You see, my dear brothers and sisters, responsibilities. Not always nitpicking, tit for tat. Subhanallah. You know, there's so much we can say. There's so much we can say. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. There's two talks I want you to go listen to. It's online as your homework. Number one is the personality trait versus the character trait. I want you to listen to this talk. It's a short talk. Google it. The personality trait versus the character trait. Sajid Omar. It will come up in Google. A brief talk. It's going to help you understand why you should be extra careful before you marry your daughters. Find out exactly the character of people. The personality versus the character. The personality trait versus the character trait. Sajid Umar, Google it, it will come up. The next talk, responsibility versus rights. Sajid Umar. It's an 18-minute talk. It was a Jumu'ah talk. The referees are about to not pull out cards. They're about to come out with sticks now. So I'm just giving you, giving you the, the, the talks that you can go, go and listen to. Responsibility versus rights in marriage. Sajid Umar, Google it, it will come up. It's an 18-minute talk, 18 to 20 minutes. It was a Jumu'ah talk uh, that I did in Zimbabwe, if I recall. The audio is there, listen to it. Will you do that, inshallah? Barakallah, if you can. If you find it beneficial, spread it. We also learn, brothers and sisters, this is the last thing I'm going to say, the importance of not closing the doors to widows in our society. For Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, well, this is the second last thing I'm going to say, because there's one more point I want to say before we end. It just, I have to say to complete it. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam married a widow. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If you don't have the ability to, as I said, support a widow. Because you love Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And you want to celebrate his life sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he married a widow that he loved and never loved anybody else like from his wives. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Right? Right? So celebrate his life. Go find a widow. Support her. Support her. Support her children. Right? A widow's children needs a father figure as well. Be there in some way or form to advise. They also Muslims. They have a right to grow up to be amazing in society. Especially since you and I are interdependent beings. If one Muslim is not carrying their weight, even though you think it's not affecting you, believe it's affecting you because Allah made us interdependent. We all have to carry our weight. So we should feel the need to even go and do some good for the widow's children so they can grow up to be excellent as well. For the community needs this, my dear brothers and sisters. May Allah grant us the understanding. The last thing is, this is how we answer back the enemies of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and say things about him that, Wallahi, I cannot get myself to say because he married Aisha radiallahu anha. They say things about him, may Allah guide them. They say things about him. This is the response that you're talking about a man who at 25 married a widow who was married twice before and she was 40. Almost twice his age. This is the evil of looking always at half of the story and not looking at the other half. Not being just. May Allah guide them and may Allah forgive us for our weakness in not defending the honor of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
Ameen, Ya Rabbul Alameen. Brothers and sisters, so much can be said, Wallahi, so much can be said. But this is the dunya. Time comes and time goes. In Jannah, we have unlimited time. I love you all for the sake of Allah. May Allah grant us the understanding. Everything correct said is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and He's perfect. And any mistakes are from myself and shaytan. And I seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness. Please take care. Please get your action plans together. Tomorrow, the last 10 nights begin. And you and I have a lot to do. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Subhanallah wa bihamdi. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Nashadu an la ilaha illa ant. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk.